The Forum at 8 on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Krivani Pele. Welcome to the Forum at Eight, sitting in for Sakina Kamwendo this morning. The Jobs for Cash report has found that teachers' posts are being sold, often with the involvement of union Satu. The department is now considering laying criminal charges against some of those mentioned in the report. The names of those implicated parties are known by the department. However, they were not mentioned in this report. Meanwhile, Satu says... It sees the report as not based on any fact. The union says since January, it's written in no less than three times to the minister and the ministerial task team requesting that the union be given factual evidence. Satu says it's going to fight to defend itself and its members because they believe as a union they do not sell posts. Well, on the forum this morning, we're going to unpack this uh, 285-page document that was released on Friday. And joining us in studio is Elijah Mschlanger, Acting Chief Director of Communications at the Department of Basic Education. Elijah, always good to have you in studio. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting us. And uh, just to let our listeners know, we did invite Satu. Um, They responded by saying that they're still studying the report and will respond later. But they have said to us that they believe that as a union, they do not sell posts. We were going to speak to uh, NAPTOSA. Um, Basil Manuel is the president of NAPTOSA. Fortunately, uh, we can't seem to get him on the line at this stage. So let's just uh, get into this document. If you don't know about it or you don't know about the cash for jobs or jobs for cash um, uh, uh, saga, you've probably been living under a rock because after a media expose uh, which uncovered the selling of educator posts between members of teacher unions and the department officials, a task team was appointed to investigate the allegations, the irregular appointment of educators at schools and the role played by any union or any officials by the provincial education departments was uncovered in April 2014. Now, let's quickly run through the modus operandi. Um, A teacher who wants to land a promotion identifies the position that he or she wants. Typically, this is a job that they know that the incumbent will soon be leaving, either because they're retiring or because they're resigning from the department. Then that teacher approaches a local union official whom he or she knows to be involved in selling positions for cash and hands over a minimum of 30,000 rand. The union official then meets with members of the school governing body and department officials to rig the process. If the post is already filled, the school governing body is used to agitate against against the incumbent individual, if necessary, to force them out the post. The school governing body then recommends the teacher who paid for that job to, to the selection panel. The selection panel, which contains paid-off departmental officials, then recommends that the person for appointment, and, uh, and this is ratified by the governing body, which is forwarded then to the head of department of the department and the teacher gets the job am i right elijah <laughs> yeah in summary that's what the task team has found to be the case um where investigations were done they found that the practice is generally um done in that particular way but there are many variations i think that's just uh, to give us an indication 
of what takes place uh, when an appointment uh, is to be made. Mm. And just to note that it's not only uh, teacher posts, it's also posts of principals um, and uh, and other Packages apparently uh, are, are used to in uh, uh, um, uh, transfer in return of bribes. We'll, we'll get into those details in a short while. But Elijah, the, the, this task team commenced its work at the end of September 2014. They handed over the final report to the minister by the end of February 2016. I mean, why was the release of the report being delayed? It was not delayed. Um, I think we need to clear that as well. There was a process, you know, when you conduct an investigation like this one, you need to make sure that you follow due process. You need to ensure that once you've done your report, you give people an opportunity, especially those that are implicated, an opportunity to have sight of the report, uh, make their input into the report, uh, raise whatever issues that they might have, um, with the task team and take that into account. If there's a need for you to go back for further investigation, you do that. So it's important that we, we clarify that um, the minister had to follow all the processes that are involved because it is not just a report about, you know, any other issue. It's got to do with people's lives. We know that uh, media reports did indicate that some people's lives had been threatened, others had been killed as a result of this, but it was also a sensitive matter. You know, the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development had sent in a representative to be part of this task team, but there's also a forensic um, unit that has been working with us and to ensure that we gather evidence where necessary mm. because some of these matters were to be presented in court. So it is for that reason that uh, the minister did not rush to make the the report public. She needed to ensure that all the required processes are followed. Well, she didn't rush, but it was obviously released twice or leaked twice to the media. Um, how did that happen? Well, you know, this matter has been of huge interest to members of the public and there was always a risk that um, a matter like this one would find its way into the public, even though inappropriately. Um, we had to do all that we could to protect the integrity of the process. And as a department, we did, we did all that we could. But, you know, when we work with people, you will always have leaks, even in examinations. We still have an issue in Limpopo where an examination uh, paper leaked, a question paper, it leaked, even though you've done all that you you, you could to protect uh, the the, the integrity of the examination. So in this case as well, Mm -hmm. it was the same. Where you work with people, there's always a temptation. There's always a risk that someone uh, sitting with the sensitive information will want to leak something. So that was really, really unfortunate because it was not our desire, it was not our plan to have this uh, report or any part of it um, uh, seen in the public before it was officially released. All right. Thanks, uh, Elijah. At this point, we're going to say good morning to Naptosa's president, Dr. Anthea Sarasita. I hope I've got the, the, the surname correctly pronounced. That's fine. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Dr. Sarasita, let, let's start with your response to this report. Well, our response is tabled at the end of the report, with, uh, along with the other unions and the department. Really, as NAPTOSA, we are very concerned about this matter, and we are thankful that the, that the task team was set up to investigate it and to expose it. 
And clearly it's shown that there is carded deployment, corrupt appointments, absence of merit in appointments. And that is of great concern to us because if we want to improve our education system, we need skilled people appointed through legitimate processes. And we want legitimate processes and we support any move that um, eradicates the corruption that is presently in place. We are aware of many cases, although we know only a limited number were exposed when the task team investigated as a result of um, fear, intimidation, and other practices. And we do want the, the matter to be pursued. How it is to be pursued is still open for discussion, but action needs to be taken to have skilled people in the positions. The whole education system was, in fact, identified as having been um, taken over, uh, there are very few parts of the system that haven't been taken over by what is seen as a particular strong influence. And, and, and for good reason in some places, as was made in the submission by the South African Democratic Teachers Union, that when you have a majority of their members in a particular province, obviously appointments are going to be majority um, who have come out of that union. So there are obvious reasons for certain things, and that's fine, provided the appointments are on the basis of the skill and the merit uh, that would in fact make them um, legitimate appointees. What I am quite concerned about um, in our union is accountability. If we remove the appointment process from the school's from close to the sites, we are actually moving accountability to a greater distance. If the head of department is going to shortlist the employees in his department, it's, it's an impossible task uh, owing to the numbers. But let's just say, because that is mooted at one point, um, how is there going to be accountability at the school level. I, as a principal, am accountable for the actions of my staff. If I have no, no say, and I'm not saying it has to be the total say, indeed not the total say, but some kind of um, involvement in the appointment process, I am accountable for people that I actually um, don't necessarily believe can, can do the job. And that could create a lot of... Um, a lot of inefficiency in the system. So I do think we have to say, where is accountability? And if we were to have panels appointing level two, three, and four uh, teachers, where is the accountability of that panel? Uh, it's removed. If they make a bad appointment, what happens then? How do they know the circumstances of every single school that they might be assigned to? The, the contextual uh, uniqueness of each particular school that requires certain characteristics in an appointee. There are just so many complications. So in general, we support um, the, 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 the task team and it's, and it's having done its process. We have many difficulties with the findings, such as generalizations about unions uh, that are negative and all unions being tarred with the same brush, that we are adversarial and don't operate in the interest of the child. That is certainly not true of our union, where we in fact have it as one of our founding principles that it's the interest of the child that comes first, and that unions lack discipline. Um, much is said without evidence. Um, some assumptions, 
that um, if a principal is in, involved at all in the process, the principal will influence. Um, th- there's an assumption there that is not necessarily tested and that learners could be part of them. And would they be any better? That's not tested either. Um, We are concerned about lack of evidence. Um, Very small amount of evidence actually has emerged, and maybe that's because of the nature of the task team, not being a judicial commission, but being a task team, and so it was difficult to get evidence. But after all of this, they've come up with some very sweeping recommendations, and we would like to contest some of those. All right, let's bring in Elijah Mflanger, Acting Chief Director of Communications from the Department of uh, Basic Education. Uh, The one thing that struck me of uh, what Anthea had said was it's taken over the whole system, this this level of corruption. Let's talk about how it's taken over the whole system and what you actually found from your investigation. Well, the test team has found that um, at various levels of of of, of management, or in the different districts and provinces, there are several um, members belonging to teacher unions who seem to be taking uh, decisions or making decisions that are in the interest of the union. That's the undue influence that they're talking about. Um, but it's not necessarily negative because it does say that. Um, in some cases, if uh, that union were to pull out of that province, the education uh, system in that particular district or in that particular province would collapse. So it means that um, the fact that the union is dominant in a particular place, it also bodes well for that department because uh, there is some sort of functionality, there's some sort of serious work that is taking place there to enable the department to function. So we need to look at it both ways because if a union is dominant, it does not necessarily mean that that dominance is negative, but it's what the union does with the the dominance uh, or the dominant power that it has. Uh, In many cases, uh, like the Northern Cape, for example, you will find that the the, the SATU in particular is working very well with the department where there's understanding, where there's uh, collaboration and uh, protest action is used as a last resort. Uh, but in other parts of the country, you find that uh, the union seems to be exerting its, its, its powers a little bit more. But their response is that if the department is weak, they are definitely going to make their presence felt in that particular uh, province. So we, we, we need to look at it uh, in both ways. It's not necessary to say that everything that the unions are doing is wrong. That's not to say. It's just that this particular task team was focusing on the role of teacher unions. And if you do that, then you'll find the good and the bad. Mm. Well, w- one of the other things um, that, that Anthea brought up was uh, the the gross generalization of, of all the unions, number one, the lack of evidence in the report, as well as the sweeping recommendations. Let's start with with the generalization of unions <laughs> you know this report was compiled as a result of interviews with MECs um, heads of department of education in all provinces and district directors circuit managers um, members of teacher unions from the national level uh, provincial level as well so the uh, the recommendations and the findings that the task team has made are based on that input from everyone uh, and it is their impression 
of how the unions are, are working and the influence that they have um, in, the, in the provinces and how that affects the way the department is functioning. So maybe from your own point of view, you do not agree, but having sat at the center, the task team felt that uh, they could make such bold generalizations. Whether they are wrong or right, that's a matter to be debated. In fact, that's why this report has been made publicly available so we can have a conversation as a nation to say, what is it that we can take away from this report that we can implement to strengthen the system? If we feel that uh, they are making sweeping generalizations and sweeping recommendations, let's challenge those, agree on what uh, we 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 see uh, we find in common and and move forward uh, uh, based on that. Elijah, I'd like to find out in a sh- but I'd like your answer in a short while. I want to know about the concrete evidence that the task team found. But before we get there, let's go to Chris in Durban. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Ivan. I'm very worried with the way the department is handling this mess. I view it as a criminal matter. The report should have taken to the NPA. And the department seems to be shielding criminals. Simple and straightforward. Mm. Uh, Elijah, would you like to quickly respond to that? Thanks, uh, Chris and Durban. Well, yes. Um, I, I think he missed the part where we said the forensic part of the investigation is still in progress. There are 38 cases where there's uh, good evidence indicating illegal activities having taken place and the forensic unit has been given until August to finalize those investigations. The Department of Justice was part and parcel of the investigation because they had to guide us on how we could present these cases in court. We do plan to press criminal charges against certain individuals. There is a detailed narrative on who did what. Such evidence exists, but it cannot be made public as yet because it's subject uh, of court processes at All a right. later stage. Let's go to Homocho in uh, Zebediel. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, ma'am. How are you? Good, and yourself? Ma'am, we just see the evidence of that, that you get the principal at the school. You just feel this principal is not he doesn't know anything about uh, uh, controlling the school. You can go to the area called Stalop in Stadtwater. You can see how bad the education is. That's what I see from that uh, report. I'm agree with that report that there's a lot of scandal in, in, in that department. Thank you very much, Homocho in Zebediel. Elijah, did Starkwater come up in your um, investigation? Sorry? Starkwater, the area of Starkwater. Uh, I don't seem to remember that. But the task team went to five provinces and they went several times. And there were many people who came forward with stories of how they were disadvantaged as a result of uh, people uh, throwing their weight around and securing certain individuals the jobs. Uh, there are many, many uh, such stories that came from all over the place, but I do not have a specific memory on that particular uh, area. All right. Uh, well, we heard from uh, Naptosa at the, at the start of the show and their response. Uh, the reason we're, we don't have Sato on the program, they were invited to the discussion. They could not make the discussion because uh, the union is still studying the report. So So we're going to uh, continue the discussion, open it out uh, to our listeners. We'd like to hear uh, what you have to to say on the matter. Um, uh, Elijah, the the issue of um, 
the sweeping recommendations that Anthea mentioned earlier. I'd like you to quickly respond to that. Well, some some of the recommendations can be challenged, but others um, are specific. Um, remember, some of these recommendations, they've got to do with uh, uh, taking away certain people's responsibilities in the process. And that could threaten the, the current uh, situation in terms of what people uh, are doing uh, in the appointment processes. So when your position is threatened, you're likely to feel uneasy about it. But it's something that we, we need to, to, to consider very seriously. That's why as a department, we are also looking at the recommendations and looking at the practical implications of, of implementing some of them because they are long-term ones and they are also short-term recommendations. 27 minutes to 9. The forum at 8 this morning looking at the Jobs for Cash report released by the Department of Basic Education on a Friday in studio. We have Elijah Mklanga from the Department of Basic Education as well as on the line we've got Naptosis President Dr. Anthea Sarasito. Dr. Sarasito, um, we've given Elijah quite a, a long time to respond to some of the statements you made. What's your response then to that? Well, we, we really do have a concern that we have dysfunctional districts, we have dysfunctional provinces. We need to go and look at the appointments and use whatever measures there are in terms of existing labor process to make sure that the people who are holding positions actually are competent to do the job. Whether they got it via these um, undue, uh, undue means and influence by, by certain parties, or, or whether they simply went through a process but in fact have demonstrated incompetence. We can tie it in with this particular uh, Jobs for Cash report. We have a dysfunctional education system in many places. Let's fix it up. Let's deal with the corruption. Let's, let's do the prosecutions that are necessary. But let's also take the incompetence and deal with it. When we see it demonstrated, use labor processes to correct it. The uh, caller who, who, who phoned in and said that the principal doesn't know how to control the school. Well, if that is true, why are the authorities in the particular district or province not taking action? If it is true, there are means to do that. Whether that person got the po- post through incorrect, corrupt um, process or, or not, let's deal with it. I think we have many things being confused here. Many, many parents experience schools as uh, problematic, but it may be because of jobs for cash, it may be because of undue influence, it may simply be because of carded deployments when there wasn't in fact merit attached. So we, we, we need to deal with those things. And then I think we do need to talk about probably one of the most critical uh, recommendations, which is probably going to cause the, the most uh, consternation, and that is the, the recommendation concerning curtailment of governing bodies' competence. Um, to make appointments for post level two, three, and four, which they currently have, and that the task team reported an alternative process. But we believe, and we've used the term, we are now going to put the wolf in charge of the sheep, because in fact the very people who've already been uh, found through this report to be corrupt because of various um, 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 circumstances are now going to be, have further influence in making appointments. 
we don't believe that what is proposed is actually going to be the solution. All right, Anthea, let, let, let's leave it there for now. Elijah, what do we do? There are, there's evidence of, of collusion. There is uh, evidence of uh, uh, teachers accepting uh, jobs for, for, for cash. What happens now? Are we going to reverse those? Are we going to look at the competency of those who are already guilty? Where to from here? Let's start with uh, the recommendations because when we look at the recommendations, we actually see that the remedy is there. The first recommendation, it says that the, it says the department, uh, it says that the, the illegal action by educators identified by the ministerial task team be reported to the South African police for further action and that the minister needs to engage uh, the Department of, of Police to ensure that uh, these this, this matters are taken to court. That's the first one. The second one, it says that disciplinary action needs to be taken against those officials who had the responsibility to check the acts of corruption but failed to do so. And the third one says that action be taken quickly to protect whistleblowers. And they're also recommending that the Department of Education establish a dedicated unit to receive complaints about the selling of posts and to direct such reports to competent authorities and follow up when necessary. All of these things, we need to look at them as a package to say that if there's a dedicated line, if there's a dedicated team of people who are going to be looking at all matters of of jobs being secured illegally, it means that uh, there will be checks and balances for every appointment and that for every questionable appointment that will have been made, there will be, before it is finalized, there will have been a team that will have checked that. So Mm -hmm. we need to, to look at it in totality to say, what is it that, as a country, as a department, we need to do going forward? Elijah, we've got about uh, uh, 15 recommendations. Mm. We, we've only gone through uh, three at this stage. Mm. I'd like to just uh, put a pause on the recommendations, take some calls on the li- uh, uh, take some calls now, and we start with Mike in Newlands. Hi, uh, good morning, uh, and uh, good morning to your panel. I'm going to try a slightly different tack. I... Uh, don't actually think this is really about um, education per se. I think what's happening here is the government or the ANC is firing a warning shot across the bars of the unions. Because the unions are getting <coughs> way too powerful. You know, they're ensuring there's no inspectors in our schools. We can't have Anna without union permission. And uh, now they're also trying to influence the choice and be in the decision-making as to who we hire as a teacher. So I think what the unions are doing, or what the government has said to the unions, look, we know you're corrupt. We've been corrupt. They've been corrupt for a long time. This hasn't just suddenly happened. But they're saying you can carry on being corrupt, but it's fine. But just watch it because there is a limit. We run this department, or we try to, and you guys can get out of hand. And I think that's really all it is because the ANC itself is hugely corrupt, as we know. So it can't be make any sense at all for them to suddenly not turn around and throw the unions out. But all it right, is a strong Mike and Newlands, the uh, thank, thank you. you very much. Neil in Limpopo, good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, you know, um, personally, um, I do a lot of work in schools over many years. I have visited no less individually uh, over 5,000 of the 24,000 public schools in the country. And I wanted the gentleman there to answer me one simple question. Why is SATU members given permission to use their uniform and regalia in a school premises instead of a department issue uniform. That's point number one. Uh, point number two, you know, over many years, if you have any family situation and a mother and father is at war with each other, the children suffer. 
the government has not had the desire to fix up this relationship between them and Satu, and the children of this country have been paying the price. They must stop playing games now and be decisive. Like when they want to be decisive on certain issues, they can't do it. And they need to do the same thing now. Thank Neil, you. thank you very much, Neil, in Limpopo. Let's go to Noel in Bushbuck Ridge. Good morning, Noel. Morning. Um, um, you know, uh, the allegations of uh, uh, Satu playing part, I think it's true in our area. We can witness that. We do have a proof. But now, um, I, I think that comes from an easy, simple manipulation by Satu to the uh, governing bodies, the SGBs. Uh, but uh, the situation could have been avoided had the department considered, you know, uh, capacitating the governing bodies. Because if you look, you go to uh, uh, Section 20 of uh, South African Schools Act, it indicates that the, the SGB is the one that recommends to the head of departments the appointment of educators. Now, uh, most of our uh, school governing bodies uh, are not even aware of the act. I mean, uh, we've been participating in uh, some workshops uh, for the governing bodies, and only to find that uh, up to to date, uh, school governing bodies, for instance, in Pumalanga, were elected last year in March. Till to date, most of the governing bodies don't even have a constitution. They don't even know about the South African Schools Act. I think if we can capacitate the governing bodies, then the status or whoever uh, union still to come will never manipulate and, and, and sell these positions. All right. Thank you, Noel. Let's go to Pele and Kruenstadt. Good morning. Good morning. Just a few issues. Um, if... If then Satu had contributed uh, in the in the during the process of of the investigation, why then are they so aggrieved about about uh, the the draft report, which in my view is not any way different from from this final report? Why uh, the question I'm asking is was was Satu's uh, queries uh, captured in this final report? Secondly. Uh, uh, is this report going to take away the freedom of association for the principals? And uh, in my view, it is bringing in elements of the of the OSD that were there before that had to be uh, finalized in the bargaining chambers. And why is the minister bringing in elements that must be negotiated in in chambers? Why is he bringing them uh, through the window uh, through such reports? And the second the second last point is this one. Uh, uh, you know what the the, the reputation of uh, Professor Paul Ming, I can tell in, uh, in education, especially in such circles, it has become such uh, that he has become a very controversial uh, person. Uh, he is he is in the P, uh, Pearson's um, uh, committee where they are driving uh, privatization, and and one is asking oneself if then. Uh, a controversial person like uh, like Paul Ming is also in in Umalusi. How then are we going to to trust anything that Umalusi would would, uh, would recommend about about public education? All because right, uh, PSN is one of the of these companies that that are that are privatizing education. Last last look over. Okay. Uh, there's this statement that uh, some some members in parliament that that come from Saudi and and Kosadu, are uh, there because of the relationship that is there between uh, Sardu, Kosati, and ANC. And uh, people like Comrade like, like Tumais' names come into, into question. Now, now, the question is, the current minister would, would tell people that uh, in, in one 
uh, in one time he was was a member of of this union. Does that mean that she she also got a position as a minister because uh, she was a member of SADU? Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks, uh, Pele and Kronstadt. We've got quite a few uh, to get through. Some of the SMSs, Stephen Durbin says, uh, name and shame the culprits, jail those responsible, start rebuilding confidence in our country's leadership. Uh, Anonymous in Limpopo says, I'm a teacher and Satu member. I know it happens and Satu goes on uh, to the extent of intimidating managers to endorse it or fail disorgan- or face disorganization. Uh, Satu runs basic education in South Africa, not the Department of Basic Education. So as you can hear from their arrogant statements dismissing the report, no action will be taken against their members. That's from KB. Uh, Sarah in Fearkral says, we all know that Santu is uh, running the Department of Education. They're a law unto themselves. What happened to school inspectors? Santu is the worst union I've seen. Um, and Spiwo in KZN says, if I was Satu, I'd simply take the report and get a shredder to deal with it. After all, nothing will happen to anyone. We know how government works. And Sajni um, uh, Ndenze says, comradeship is killing this country. It's not only education department, it's every department. Okay, let's get a response now from some of the callers. We'll start... uh, with Mike, he says the unions are too powerful. Um, uh, Neil says Satu members are using the unions uh, regalia at school. So let's get those issues uh, out the way before we get into the uh, actual report. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Satu is not the only union uh, that uh, uses uh, their union regalia during school hours. Um, it's just that people see more of Satu because they have more members than all other unions. So they tend to feel that Satu is the only one that is doing all the things that they find inappropriate. We have also visited schools, probably more than the 5,000 that he has visited. And we have also found and seen other people's, uh, other unions' uh, uh, material also displayed even during working hours. So uh, uh, that is not an issue that should only be be, be uh, be attributed to Satu. But we also don't believe that what you are wearing uh, should have an impact on what you on the, on the work that you're doing, particularly in school. If you're a teacher, you're competent, you know your content, you have the right training, the skills, the experience, and you're able to manage a classroom. That should not have an impact uh, on, on the outcome of, of what you're doing. In terms of decisiveness, yes, the department, the minister has been very decisive. That's why she acted on these allegations, set up a task team which has made a series of f- findings uh, together with the recommendations that we believe are going to us assist us as a department, but also assist us as a country. In terms of SGB capacity, yes, we, we conduct training. Not everyone will know what they're supposed to know. That's why the task team report does say that there have been inconsistencies in terms of SGBs understanding their role in the appointment process. But in some cases, you'll find that it was actually the SGB that was um, uh, exerting their undue influence to secure a job for a particular person. So it doesn't mean that they are, they are not guilty. They are guilty themselves. Where an SGB is effective, they will make sure that their favorite person gets the job. Where the SGB is not effective, where it is not as powerful, you'll find that the union 
will have their own way. So, so it depends on the dynamics. Exactly. We, we need to look at it that way. So even the department, I mean, the report makes some damning findings about the department itself, our officials, as well as the system. So this report has basically found everyone guilty of not doing their, their work. It's not a, a blaming and shaming type of report. Mm. It it requests all of us to reflect on how we've been doing things in the past 20 years and how we should move forward. All right, Elijah, very quickly respond to Noel in Bushbuck Ridge and Pele in Kronstadt. Well, um, Satu is aggrieved because everyone is aggrieved. Even us as a department, we are aggrieved, you know, because we have found that some of our officials have been involved in these uh, uh, activities and we want to make sure that they are also brought to book. Uh, their their input was was taken into account. Uh, they were involved right from the start, and they participated right through, even right to the end. Even as late as Monday last week, they met the ministerial trust team, and they expressed their views about um, their dissatisfaction with some of the elements of the report. And they are welcome to do that. What people do with the report from here onwards, it's up to them. As as far as the integrity of Professor uh, Volmik is concerned, I think that that is just mischief making. Read the report. Don't be emotional. Make sure, take your time, read the 285-page report and make a decision for yourself. All right. So we, we, we established that there's 15 recommendations. We've only gone through three. Let's quickly get uh, back to the recommendations on this report. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the SMSs coming through, the, the listeners feel they don't feel confident that the department is going to implement these recommendations. No, the recommendations are definitely going to be implemented. You know, this this report came at a time when, as a department, we were already involved in a process of reviewing some of the basic education amendment laws, uh, some of the basic education laws, to see uh, any weaknesses. We're looking at SASA to look at uh, weak points that we need to strengthen, to try streamline it for better governance in our schools schools and uh, this report is going to assist that process. So we're definitely going to, to look at this. It, it cannot have been a waste of time and money and resources that uh, after 18 months of investigating we do nothing about this. That's why we have separated the issues. One looks at the system, the other looks at the criminal activity that has taken place. The, the, the police will have to do their work while the department together with the stakeholders will also focus on strengthening the system to ensure that we, we, we get it right from now onwards because the report has given us uh, enough information to work with. Okay, eight minutes uh, to nine. Uh, Elijah Mklanga is in studio talking about the uh, Cash for Jobs uh, report that was released on Friday, as well as NAPTOSA's president, Dr. Anthea Sarasita. Just to stress again, Satu not here. They've requested time to read uh, the report. They've not uh, declined the inv- invitation. They just needed time. Let's get back to the discussion. A lot of this antagonistic relationship between the department uh, coming up between, uh, sorry, uh, between the unions and the department, the issue coming up. Uh, uh, I'd like to to bring uh, Anthea in at this time. Uh, um, Anthea, do you think that this report also, you know, gives us the time to work on those relationships, not only with Satu, but all, all of you teacher unions? I think the report misrepresents the relationship between unions and the department. It presents it as an adversarial relationship. But in fact, 
the the union spend a great deal of time interacting with the department and various committees. We we sit on various um, departmental um, um, policy t- uh, teams and all sorts of things, giving professional input. And it's not at all adversarial. It is bringing the um, knowledge that school-based people have to the department. And it's not, it's supportive of the department. In most cases, it's very supportive of the department. There are times, of course, when unions will take up um, labor issues and there will be some, some degree of disagreement. But in fact, I would say we work together more often. What is really needed is that there should be consistent listening and that we shouldn't get to a stage when the union has to reach a standoff on a certain matter, such as happened when the annual national assessments became a, a standoff issue. That if um, we had listened and talked at an earlier stage, we could have reached some agreement. Now we are working with the department in a task team, a joint task team, and we're trying to work together towards a good solution for, 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 um, for children. Um, so I think it's misrepresenting it. I also think that the recommendations which, um, which go too far, I believe, outside the brief of the task team, which says that you know, le- leadership of unions um, you know, it can, can, cannot be principles of schools and um, district-based officials mm-hmm. can't be, etc., etc. That's going beyond the brief and belongs somewhere else. All right. And Theo, let's leave it there for now. Uh, Elijah, do you think it's time to work on this antagonistic, dysfunctional relationship between the department and the unions? Um, you know, and, and, and what about uh, the, the a statement from Anthea that this uh, uh, report has gone out of its brief, far out of its brief when it comes to dictating on, on, on leaders of the unions not being principals, for example? Well, to start with, the department has a very good relationship with all our teacher unions. We work very well with them. But it's also important for us to remind members of the public that the department is the employer. So the unions are actually employees of the department. All that we do is to consult. One thing that is great about our democracy is that it forces everyone to negotiate. It forces everyone to talk. And we do that. You need to listen to the other view. And we do that. There is nothing that we are going to do as a department without consulting our stakeholders. Remember, we will make the policy, but the teachers will have to implement it. And if they are not aware, if they are not uh, in agreement with some of the Practical implement uh, practical implications of implementing whatever policy that's that's with them definitely we are going to fail. So all that we do is to ensure that we create platforms of engagement. We have we've got several, and we use those to talk to the unions. That's why in most things that we do, we do in consultation with them. But it doesn't mean we agree all the time. Mm. That's the first part. The second part is that. Uh, uh, people need to understand that uh, the unions are, are not are not uh, are not running the department. In fact, it's important to to emphasize that that we we, we will always be there, we'll always listen. But at the same time, you know, you, we, we need to be careful of just making also sweeping statements that uh, the, the unions are running the department. Of course, uh, they are employees of the department, and we need to ensure that uh, at all times we were in consultation with them and we we really take their views into account. Mm. Elijah, how far gone was this problem uh, that the task team, did they manage to establish um, how long this has been happening and, and, and if the problem
problem can be reversed? And most importantly, how has this impacted on the quality of education? It, it might have impacted on the quality of education in that some appointments in particular schools um, did not happen in the way they should have. Uh, for example, the people might not have the necessary qualifications, the skills, the experience, the attributes and the ability and the competence to, to do the job, but they found themselves in that particular job and the results might have shown in the learning outcomes of that particular teacher. And that means if the results were not good, it means that learners would have been impacted upon negatively. Um, what would be said, though, would be uh, to have seen such to have happened in a large scale, such that it would drag down the entire system. But be that as it may, even if there was one teacher who would have been appointed without following procedure and they were not qualified for the job, then it, it's something that we really need to deal with. How far gone? Well, you know, the report does give background to it to say that when in 96 the Schools Act came into 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 effect, it gave SGBs certain roles and responsibilities on how um, they should be involved in the appointment processes. Uh, in the beginning, things were working well, but after some time, people began to see some holes and they started taking advantage of of the system and they began to manipulate it for their own narrow interests and and th- that's something that we really need to deal with but the good thing is that the system has continuing uh, training for teachers which might have assisted even those teachers who might not have had the necessary qualifications at the time. When are you actioning your recommendations? As quickly as possible this matter is urgent in fact we've been waiting for this report ourselves for a long time so at the moment the minister is currently looking into the, the different issues we believe there will be a process after this to say how do we move forward after having gone through all the recommendations. All right, and that's where we'll have to leave this discussion. An hour far uh, too short to discuss the Jobs for Cash report. A big thank you to my guest, Elijah Mklanga, Acting Chief Director of Communications at the Department of Basic Education, as well as uh, Dr. Anthea Sirisitu, who's a NAPTOSIS president, the National Professional Teachers Association of South Africa. A huge thank you to you, our listeners, for calling in and uh, texting and tweeting. Uh, just let's quickly read through some of the uh, SMSs coming in. Uh, quite a few from Anonymous. In Limpopo Anonymous says, it's worse. Satu is supposed to be observers and in interviews but will take over. Appointment usually goes to an undeserving um, candidate. Some people have already moved to where circuit managers are about to retire and unofficially acting while the manager is still in service. Uh, marking is another area in which Union's influence in Limpopo. Uh, KZN, there's a lot of corruption in KZN Department of Education, not only in the employment of teachers, but also in the SEM directorate. I worked there as an intern and saw a lot of dirty awarding of tenders and employment of administration. A topic we will return to on uh, AM Live in due course. But first, the news at nine with Kumbuzile Tabete.